yeah, I did think, was this a mistake? You know, like I'm going to have to start from the ground up. And although, uh, you know, I have a Pennsylvania license, state contracts, I didn't have to learn any of that. Like I never sold a property in a high rise. I didn't understand that the value was different on the 18th floor versus the 12th floor. Like I didn't, I mean, it made sense to me, but it's not anything that I had to think about. Welcome to the Grid Investor Podcast, a podcast about real estate entrepreneurs, visionaries, and the stories behind the legacies they're creating. I'm your host, Rob Chavez, and on today's episode, I've got Matthew Green from sunny Philadelphia with us. Now, Matt is an agent investor. He crushes the game at being an agent investor, and his background is so unique. I mean, he was classically trained in music and, and then one day realized, you know what? There was other people that were willing to commit more than him to this. And so he entered the business side of that. And then soon realized, God, I'm not gonna make the money that I wanna make to live the life that I wanna live. And uh, his family had been in the real estate business, which he had kind of sworn off that he would never do. But as so many of us find along this journey, um, we fall in love with it. And uh, this is a story of how Matthew Green has built an unbelievable business that creates predictable revenue. And uh, I would just say success leaves clues. So uh, listen up. I know you're going to get a lot out of it. And I really enjoyed talking to him about how he built his world. What is going on, Grid? Hey, today I'm blessed to have Matt Green here with me. Matt, thanks so much for joining, brother. How are you? Hey, my pleasure, Rob. I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing good. How's Philly? Philly is rocking. Yeah? Philly's great. Philly's great. Uh, the market's interesting, you know, but uh, I don't let the market dictate what I do each day. It's just about rolling up your sleeves and doing it. So, Dude, I love yeah, that. Yeah, but thank you. Yeah. I love that. Well, what I want to do is I want to share you with our, our grid family and uh, expose you even past that, right, uh, to everybody so that they can understand your journey, your story. Uh, I feel that we all learn from stories and journeys. Um, you know, certainly we could talk some tactics, but more than anything, I find that as people uh, go through this entrepreneurial journey, um, they... Uh, you know, they, they it's riddled sometimes with difficulty, and through that difficulty is where we where we grow and where we learn. And so, what I want to do is kind of go back in time and okay. understand how you even got in this business in the first place. What propelled you to get into this wonderful world of real estate? Yeah, it's a good question. So, um, I am a classically trained pianist and vocalist. I went to music school at the Eastman School of Music in Rochester, and I realized in music school that there were musicians there that just wanted it more than I did. And so I kind of realized in my teens, it wasn't necessarily about talent as much as it was about your motivation to get from point A to point B. And halfway through music school, I realized I'm not willing to sleep you know, and a box in Times Square in order to be on stage. There's people that want that more than I do. So I switched more into the business aspect of music. 
Um, I moved to New York City. After music school, I worked at Sony Music Group, BMG Music Group, Universal Music Group, so the three big ones, um, in marketing um, and A&R administration. So I got exposed to a lot of really cool aspects of that. And then I turned 30, right? And once I turned 30, I realized um, here I am living in New York and you know, the salary I was making at 23 and 24, you know, I had my own place and I'm living the life. And then all of a sudden I was like, what am I going to do? You know, I'm going to need to quadruple, you know, what I'm earning in order to, you know, increase my standard of living at all. Mm-hmm. So I realized it was just time for me to, you know, to exit New York. And um, so I got hired for Aflac Insurance and sales. And my father, who is um, a real estate developer and broker in the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania market, um, said to me, if you're going to be looking for a sales position, you might want to consider real estate. And to be honest with you, I grew up around realtors. I actually played piano at my father's you know, company Christmas parties for years and years and years. Admittedly, I didn't have a real high opinion of real estate agents. And I was like, uh, I don't know about that, but I'll give it some, I, I'll give it some thought. And um, so I asked to meet with him, uh, his assistant buzzed me back to his office. And I was like, if I'm going to be in, I'm going to be all in. And he's like, okay. And he um, asked the office manager who I knew my whole life to come back. And he said, Linda, I want you to meet our newest agent. And she said, the piano player. (laughs) And I was like, and I was like, Linda, I was like, this piano player is going to be the highest producing agent in the multiple listing service. And I want you to give me five years. And she laughed and Mm. I did it in three. Mm. (laughs) Boom. Boom. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, what was really, really interesting is Um, And my cousin is trained in ballet. Um, And so she and I have like this, you know, we kind of vibe in the sense that like we grew up with formal training. We understand Mm -hmm. the amount of time it takes, the amount of discipline that it takes, you know, the amount of stamina, the amount of, you know, sheer energy it takes to really get good at something. And so I think that really worked to my advantage in real estate because I got a real estate coach right away. I started working on skills. I started working on systems. I started working, um, you know, on strategies. And I took a very, very, uh, you know, disciplined, skill-based approach to my business. And um, it worked really, really well. Um, And so that's kind of how I got started. So, so that's fascinating, man. It took you three years to, to become the top agent in your MLS. What was your strategy for doing that? How did you Actually, do it? I think it might have been the three years to be top in the office and five to be top in the MLS. Okay. But it happened in the first five years. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes, I, I find that it takes about five years for people to really start hitting their stride for whatever reasons, three to five years. That's what I've seen across the board as I've talked to people. It takes time to develop. It just does, right? Um, 
But what was your strategy? What what did you decide to do? How how did you organize your day every single day? I'm just curious more more than anything. Yeah, so I was a student of the Mike Ferry organization. You know, the Mike Ferry organization is very very big on outgoing lead generation for sale by owners, expired listings, canceled listings. Very big on time management. Very big on structuring your day. So essentially, from 8:30 a.m. till 12. I would do outbound lead generation. I would role play twice a day. I still do, by the way. So that's been an ongoing thing.、Um, afternoons would be in a contract negotiation. Evenings would be appointments, and that was basically the structure of my day. It just so happened that I got licensed in 2007. In 2008, we all know the marketplace changed pretty significantly, and for me, that was a huge opportunity because the number of expired listings went up. In a huge, huge way. So I had, you know, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty listing opportunities every single day. Now the big challenge, obviously, was how do you not only get those listings, but price them to sell, and you know, continually, continually, you know, reduce the price or change the price of the marketing if the listings weren't selling. And a lot、mm-hmm. of people at that point in time didn't have equity, so. It was tough, but you know, now looking back on it, I realize if you can list and sell property in those market conditions, I mean, you can pretty much do it in any market conditions because that was about, I think, as bad as any of us have ever seen it. So, yeah, it was it was pr- pretty brutal.、Um, the people that survived that were the ones that learned how to adapt the fastest,、um, had the ability to have, I believe.、Um, Difficult, compassionate conversations with people, so that they understood what needed to happen in order to move their life forward. Right? I found myself having a lot of those discussions in two thousand eight, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Just getting people, two thousand ten, getting them out of really, really bad situations. Right. Well, yeah, and I also feel like that was the time when the client really valued skill. Right? You weren't just going to call. You know Mary Smith down the road because you knew her. I mean, I think sellers really were looking for an agent who knew what they were doing, and、um, for me, really understanding the listing process from start to finish and developing a system. And we know there's no one system that you know works or doesn't work, but as long as you study a system that works for you and and work to I think the the point of mastery um, then um, it, you know it's benefited me in a big way. Is that when you started working with a lot of investors? And, and actually, even before that, what I want people to hear on this is you came at it from an angle of let me help people get out of the, these you know houses, or let me help people sell their properties during this、yeah. difficult ta- time, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and you know. In my mind, what I've learned through the years is that a, a good listing agent is no different than somebody that's wholesaling. You're executing, you're doing the same thing. You're marketing, you're 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 selling to find somebody that needs to sell, right? Wants to sell, they need to sell,、mm-hmm. and、yep. and then you have to have the ability to walk them through that process.、Yep. And it's the same skill set whether you're an investor going after rehabs or wholesaling deals. Or whether you're a listing agent, right? Very different、yep. than a buyer's agent. You're a listing agent. Very specific, different. Very different. Going after,、uh, you know, motivated sellers 
essentially. I mean, that's what an expired is. That's what a for sale by owner is. That, that yep. that's that's what they are, right? So it's the same. Yeah. I want people to hear that. That's the same market. You're just using a different tool. One is a listing agreement, which is controlling yep. the property with a listing agreement, and the other one is a purchase contract. Yeah. Right. And so, but it's the same business, right? Yeah. Is that where you sharp it? Is that where you started working with a lot of investors or how did that come about? I'm curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so interestingly, okay, so I think, you know, the smartest investors that I know now, you know, and I would consider you to be one of them, Rob, you know, understand that acquiring property in those conditions is the time to do it. I think a lot of the people that I was working with then were fearful because things, you know, it wasn't just a little dip in the market. I mean, things went, you know, south very, very, very quickly. Um, but yeah, so I remember um, one of the first listings that I took that was investor owned, I just really clicked with the seller because he understood the process. He spoke the language. He wanted to get from point A to point B very, very quickly. Like it just was very... It, 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 I don't want to say easy, but communicating with that client, I found to be much easier than, you know, than somebody who'd been in their property for 25 years, hadn't sold a house for a really long time. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, I thought, okay, these are the sort of people that I want to work with. And then of course, there became, you know, repeat business from that. And then I got, you know, involved in helping them purchase property, flip property, buy and hold, and, and all of that. So I started to realize that that was the sort of client that I personally enjoyed working with the most because mm -hmm. I think it was a, a similar mindset, you know, as an listing agent, you know, my goal was to move them through the process seamlessly, but quickly and efficiently. And that was also their goal too, as the client. So it was kind of a natural match. Mm -hmm. What would you say your kind of percentages today between maybe retail versus investor do you, do you track that at all? Um, I don't track it. But if I took a wild guess, I would say it's close to 70% investor. Wow. 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 So let's talk a little bit about that model because you help investors. And I remember when you were telling me about this before, and I was like, how does he do it? Right? Because you'll sell, how many homes will you sell this year? I'm curious. 70. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you and you are primarily it's and it's you right it's it, like you That's have it. you have a yeah but yeah you have a transaction manager you might have somebody that helps with some staging virtual, yeah yeah but for go. the most part it's you right that's like doing 70 wholesale deals guys or 70 you know like that is that is that's volume that's a lot and so um and you help people buy house you help these investors buy properties too right Yes. Now I'm showing assistant. So if someone, an investor wants to see a property, because here's the thing, you know, I can, I can run, you know, after repair values, I can give them all sorts of facts and figures in my opinion. But when it really comes down to it, you know, an investor does not need me to walk through a property with them. They know exactly what they're looking at. They understand their expenses. So one of the efficiencies that I put in my business is I have somebody that just will basically go open those doors for the investors so that I can, you know, spend time doing um, uh, listing property and negotiating yeah. contracts and writing deals. Yeah. 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 I want everybody here. It's you're focused on your highest per dollar. Best, yeah. Right. Activities and then outsourcing the other ones. That's the only way that you can ever kind of do volume. Uh, and so out of curiosity, have you ever 
uh, partnered with any of these investors? Have you ever thought about partnering with any of these investors as you as you help them uncover some of these little gems in the marketplace? Uh, I haven't. So I've flipped a couple properties myself, mm-hmm. um, which was an educational experience. I not really my thing. I thought it really would be until. You know, I found myself in Home Depot for the 18th time in one day and I was like ready to tear my hair out. And I'm like, you know, this really isn't fun at all. <laughs> um, but it was it was good. You know, it helps me understand the process for the client. You know, I had some rental properties I'm trying to build up that portfolio. Um, but right now, you know, I really, I, I love finding the opportunity. I love extrapolating you know, hey, look, if you do this and it costs you this, you're going to end up with this. And it's that much percentage of, you know, income for you or profit. And um, and then watching it all actualize, you know, like mm-hmm. just being able to see your projections come to life. And in fact, you know, for the most part, um, a lot of the people that I'm working with, you know, are, are the after repair value is significantly higher than what we have initially projected, which is really cool. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just something that I take a lot of pride in. Well, we've been blessed, right, that we've been in this upward market. Who knows how much longer or further it has. I mean, I feel okay about the market right now. It's just it's been so good for so long. Uh, I remember in 2011, 2012, I was like, oh, this is definitely going to correct. This is too good. And now I look back and I laugh and I'm like, what was I thinking, right? It's just, it just, I'd come off of such a difficult time in 2007, 2008, 2009. I was always like PTSD, maybe just waiting for the shoe to always drop, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you seeing in the DC, like, like urban DC market? Because the Philly market... You know, it's not the sort of market where, you know, you put a listing for sale and you get 25 offers in two hours. I mean, it's very, there's a about a four and a half month supply here countywide. Oh, wow. Average days on market is about 25 to 30. That's like in center city, Philadelphia. So we're not really seeing the craziness that a lot of the suburban markets are seeing. Is, is it the same in D.C.? So it's interesting. Um it was a tale of kind of two things like the condo market definitely suffered suffered during COVID in DC, right? People like essentially there was flight out of the city and into the suburbs and people buying Airbnbs and, and going out a little bit further. And so that market suffered a little bit for the maybe three or four months, but then the velocity man just picked back up. Like everything was just moving very quickly and, you know, things have softened again right now. We were, you know, the summertime they soften, which they always do, right? Yeah, we we see this. The, and and now we're seeing the velocity pick a little bit back up, but not to the it's not crazy like it was. Now there's home inspections again, there's uh, you know, there's negotiating items, there's credits, you know, stuff that we haven't seen in eight months. Well, you speak for yourself. Come here, yeah, you know. I know. <laughs> well, we haven't seen that, which is crazy. And I have agents who have started, you know, and they've never been in that market. They're like, what do you mean? They like, you know, there's a home inspection on this now and they're asking for credits and they're ne- I'm like, yeah, that's normal. That's called normal. What's an appraisal? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, what's an appraisal? What's an appraisal? Well, let me ask you, I mean, I want to go back a little, I'm going to go back in time again. Okay. Because, yep. you know, uh, 
seeing your success today, uh, people could just think, oh, well, yeah, he he went into the business and um, he put in his time and he became successful. But I want people to understand the discipline that was required. I mean, was there ever a time in the business that you were like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I could do yes. this. This Okay. Okay. So, so the one big part that I skipped is that I, in 2015, I moved to Philadelphia. So, and I didn't know anybody here. I, when I moved here, uh, I remember I, I woke up the day after I moved here and I thought, I don't even know where to go buy a roll of paper towels. Like, what have I done? But what I realized in Harrisburg is like, I, you know, after living in New York and, you know, experiencing all of that and growing up in the Harrisburg area, it just wasn't for me. And as my business got bigger there, I kept having this fear that I was going to be stuck, you know, Mm. for my entire life. So I set a three-year plan in 2012. Um, to move to Philadelphia. And that included selling my book of business to the agent who was doing buyer transactions. She wasn't on a team, but I just referred her everything and then, you know, got a referral fee. Um, She took over my business there. We worked at a deal where I got uh, like a, like a tiered referral fee for three years on every deal that she did and ended up being close to $300,000 when it's all said and done. So, yeah, so that was really cool. But to answer your question, I moved here and I didn't have the energy that I did when I first started, you know, like I'd already reached a certain level of success and, you know, was, you know, not only generating my own business, but also getting passive business and incoming business. And so when I moved here, um, yeah, I did think, was this a mistake? You know, like I'm going to have to start from, the ground up. And although, uh, you know, I have a Pennsylvania license state contracts, I didn't have to learn any of that. Like I never sold a property in a high rise. I didn't understand that the value was different on the 18th floor versus the 12th floor. Like I didn't, I mean, it made sense to me, but it's not anything that I had to think about. So I did have kind of this, Oh crap sort of moment. And, but then at that point, I mean, I didn't have a choice. I just had to like, get to work. But one of the things that I realized is Philadelphia is a very, very investor heavy market. Mm. Very, very investor heavy. Um, The rental market here is insane. Um, Philadelphia has the most colleges and universities of any major U.S. city. There are 80 just in the city of Philadelphia. I have no idea. That's crazy. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know the exact number, but I think at any given point in like the school calendar year, there are between three and 400,000 students here, which, you know, obviously drives, um, you know, the demand for rentals in a a major, major way. Mm -hmm. So um, when I started doing my expired calls, I started noticing, oh, okay, this is titled in an LLC and this person lives in Utah. This person lives in Colorado. And then, I'd call them and they'd be like, oh yeah, like I've got this conduit to sell and write down these three other addresses because I've got these two. And I'm like, okay, so this is a way to really scale my business um, quickly. And, um, you know, and then a lot of times those people might be looking to acquire other properties. So that's really how I built up my investor business 
once I moved here. Yeah, because you have the ability to work with one person and do five transactions, six, maybe as many as 10, right? So right. you really have the ability to kind of multiply that out. Yep. Now, are is your business still direct calling uh, or are you also mailing absentee owners? Uh, you know, t- tell me a little bit about what how what your what your business looks like today, right? From a marketing yeah. Standpoint. So I mean, it's it's still about it's still about forty one percent expired, canceled, withdrawn listings. Okay. Forty percent referrals, and then I'll do probate calls. Mm. Um, I've done some like Facebook marketing. I've kind of toyed with that a, a little bit over the summer. Um, and let's see, and those are really the primary sources. Uh, a lot of times, you know, as you know, you know, investors will be friends with other investors. And so, you know, there's been that sort of thing that's happened too. But I mean, there's, I developed a core group of, I'd say five or six clients that I've been working with now for four or five years that are continually, as you said, doing four or five, six deals a year. So that engine keeps keeps churning just churning actually to go back again because i i asked the question and you kind of answered it right okay um when you went to philly like when you when you arrived in philly was you you said okay you were like oh i gotta do this all over again i gotta start i gotta grind all over again but you said there was no other option but is that the point where you were like I don't know if I can do this or was it earlier in your career or did you never have that thought that that thought never crossed your mind? Right. It didn't cross my mind because I know that I can do it. You know, like mm-hmm. the skills that I continue to work on are portable. So they will work anywhere. I mean, the, the, the tough part is learning the market. Like, so for example, I didn't, one of the things that didn't occur to me is how diverse Philadelphia is. You know, I mean, I call people and I can't understand them on the phone. That doesn't happen in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. You know, like everybody sounds the same. So it's just like one of those things that, you know, like I I never envisioned running into that. It's just one of those, you know, learning curves that you you just do. But in terms of thinking, you know, I can't do this. No, I mean, it it never that never has occurred to me. And nor has it occurred to me that I don't want to do this. I mean, I Mm -hmm. really really, really love what I do. I love going into the office. I love first thing in the morning, I think, wow, two or three hours from now, I could have this much business that I don't have right now at 730 in the morning. Like, where else can you do that? You know, that's amazing. Yeah. When you really get that skill, when you're really good at that skill, you know that you can put in a couple hours worth of work and just, and, and make $20,000. Right. And people, seriously, yeah, people don't understand that that is, that is a skill, right. That you can refine and work on and practice tactical empathy on and, and understand, you know, the right questions to ask and then follow up, follow up, follow up. And, you know, I, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if I ever told you this, but I wrestled division one in college, right. So to, to wrestle D one in college requires, extreme dedication. Um, you know, you're, you're constantly battling a couple of things like thirst and weight loss and training all the time and constant practicing. And, you know, there was never, I never 
doubted, like I never thought I'm going to quit or anything. And lots of people quit in that business. It was like, I had this end goal, this vision of what I wanted in my life, you know, for that. And I was willing yeah, to, pay yeah. the, I was willing to pay the price for that. And, and I've always, it's why I've always kind of liked athletes, but I've, but you just kind of derived, you know, connected the dots for me that it's anybody. And I've talked about this conceptually, but it's anybody that's had to perform and practice for extended periods of time over a very long time, right? Those people are, you know, they have that thing that. Well, yeah. And I've, I've been to the, you know, like we've all been to the big real estate things and people are like, Oh, like, you know, like, how have you done this? And I've literally looked at people and I said, don't take offense to this. Most people never really get that good at anything in their life, like Olympic level good. You know, mm-hmm. like I took piano lessons for 18 years and then I would lock myself in a practice room for four or five or six hours a day for four years and had multiple instructors and I still didn't go into performance, you know, <laughs> and I still don't even think I'm that great as a pianist, you know. But, you know, I mean, most people will, I think, I don't know, you know, give it a couple of months and expect it. I mean, it really does take a, a super long time, but obviously it's worth it. And as it relates to the investors, you know, I those skills are transferable because somebody can call me and say, hey, I drove by this property. It looks kind of abandoned. Like, can you track down the owner and find out what's going on? And you know, there's just a series of repetitive questions that you ask. And once you learn what questions to ask, you can quickly convert that into business. Yeah, let's go a little tactical real fast, like, because uh, I'm fascinated with it. Um, so you probably know your numbers, your your dials to contacts, to conversion numbers. Can you Can you shed some light on that? Can you tell me what those look like? Yeah, it's about... 32 contacts to get a listing. Wow. 32 contacts to get a listing. Wow. That is really solid. How many? Now, here's the most difficult part though, Rob. The most difficult part is making contacts because, you know, everybody's texting and, you know, I mean, I, I can text somebody, but, you know, I don't think, I think the sales conversion process is difficult to do unless you're actually speaking with somebody or meeting with somebody so in today's day and age of various ways to communicate, whether it's through social or through text or through email, it becomes difficult to get them on the phone. I might spend two hours on a given day and actually only talk to four or five people. So those 32 contacts may actually take six or seven days. Got it. Because of, yeah, that because, and it's interesting because a lot of other agents would say, well, this data sucks and nobody's answering the phone. And so... I'm just going to stop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. And then they just don't, they don't, they don't continue. Right. They don't understand. Hey, it's, it's just a law of numbers. Um, I've got a really good friend of mine. We've had him on the po- podcast. His name is Brent Daniels. He runs a wholesaling channel uh, on YouTube. He's amazing. He's got you know, tens of thousands of followers and uh, we know him as Mr. TTP and his whole strategy okay. is talk to people and that is his whole business is around doing exactly what you do in your business right doing exactly what you do in your business just talking to people and walking them through and learn 
learning and what he talks about is really interesting, right? So for those listening that haven't gone to go check out Brent Daniel's uh, 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 YouTube channel, you should do it. There's a lot on tonality, pace, rhythm, right? These are all the things that you learn. The mu- you know, it's kind of like playing music, right? You learn yeah. the pace, the rhythm, what questions to ask, what questions not to ask, what's the second question you're going to ask, right? So um, I-, I love that. Any any quick little tidbits that just come to mind when you're like thinking about the anatomy of a call? Well, Anything- yeah, I mean, so, so for investors, I found like they fall into one of two camps. There's the camp that first phone call, they're like, I need this property sold. Come meet me. Like, really, no questions. Basically, I need a, a sign on my property, right? Mm-hmm. So there's those. And then obviously, if you do a good job, then you know, you're going to continue working with them. And then there's the types that are so busy that you have to follow up and follow up. And follow. I just listed a property today with a pretty big developer. And I was like, so determined to earn this business. But it took eight days of follow-up. There were probably 15 text messages, you know, at least a dozen emails. And, you know, basically like the, the, the voicemail turned into me saying, Kevin, people hire me for my relentless ability to follow up. So I'm going to continue calling you until, until you tell me to go away or until you tell me to list the property. Or should I just send you a listing agreement? And then he texted me and said, send me the listing agreement. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's so cool. That's what it takes, right? That's what it takes. Um, So how long have you been in the business now? Total? 15 years. 15 years. Okay. What does the next 15 years look like for for Macrine? What do you think about? I know that's a long time. That's a long, (laughs) exactly. It is such a long time. Um, So I got to think about that. So me and my partner are building, doing this huge construction project right now, which has been kind of a goal for a really long time. So we're like in the midst of actualizing this big goal. And for me to think beyond that right now is, Mm -hmm. is a little bit overwhelming. Um, I would really, really, ultimately, um, I would like to get to a point of having enough passive income that I work with only the clients that I want to work with and delegate everything else to somebody else. And Mm -hmm. I'll probably have a small team at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And that could be because of price range that could be because of personality style that could be because okay you know like whatever the case may be I'd love to get to a point in my business where because I really really do love the process of being a listing agent I do like I'm so passionate about it it's super exciting I really do wake up in the morning each day and I'd say you know most days out of the year I'm very very excited to go into the office and you know see what treasure I can uncover Mm -hmm. Um, and yet, as we all know, you know, there are some clients that are more difficult than others. And I think my long-term goal is to just remove the friction from my business as much as possible, just to improve the quality of, you know, and harmony in my life in terms of 15 years. I mean, I really would like to get serious about developing a much larger rental portfolio. I have two rental properties now. 
I'd like to invest in some multifamily properties. Um, and, you know, I need to make a five-year goal first. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. I mean, yeah, it, you know, it's interesting. It's it's just the longer I've been in this, uh, and I'm a little bit older than you, it's just like 15 years goes by like that, right? I'm like, yeah. my daughter, my daughter's 19. I'm like, how is it that I have a 19-year-old daughter? Like, I'm 19. I still think I'm 19, right? But no, I have a 19-year-old daughter. And I remember what it was like to be 19 and all, you know, like how much how much I loved being 19, right? Like, and I'm like, man, time goes by really, really fast. So, uh, you know, one thing I'll encourage everybody on here to think about is, you know, this skill set that you've developed, because it's a very, very particular skill set. It's awesome. A lot of people are just afraid to do what you do. That somehow yeah. they internalize this rejection, right? Yeah. And they think it's on them and it's not, but they think it is, right? Um, but this skill set, has the ability for you to build a tremendous amount of wealth by just shifting the thinking and saying, okay, on Fridays, I'm going to do the same activities, but it's purely just specifically to buy assets for, you know, for us, for, for me and my partner to build into what we want to build 15 years from now. Right. And one of the things I started doing was dedicating Fridays as, as like a financial Friday. This was my Friday to really, you know, it was really Friday, it became Friday, Saturday, Sunday, to, to go hunting for assets that we were just going to add into our family's portfolio. Because if we're not careful, whether you're a, uh, an investor, like a wholesaler, if you're a rehabber, if you're an agent, if you're in construction, if you're not careful, you're so caught up in the, the transaction itself, the, you know, the activity in the cash out, that 15 years could can fly by and you're just like wow yeah. i didn't i didn't buy enough right i didn't buy enough and so what i hear you saying is to be very intentional about carving out time to specifically carving out time building that yeah 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 you put it just like anything you put it in your calendar and you're like hey this is this is my appointment to myself to build out what i envision in my mind 10 years from now or 15 years from now Right. And then and then you just go hard on the other four doing what you've always done. But you're now entering into another and unlocking another branch. And I realized that I had to do that. Otherwise, I'm like I'm like that dog on a bone. I just focus on that one thing. Yeah. And, and that one thing is great. It's, it makes you a lot of money. Right. Uh, it makes you rich, but it doesn't make you wealthy. Right. It doesn't wealthy, give you back. Yeah. Your, doesn't give you back your time. And so. One of the things that I'm passionate about is helping the real estate entrepreneur, you know, flip their income. I call it the income flip, right? Go from earned income to go to passive income. But it starts first about thinking about it and then scheduling it, putting it into the calendar, right? So anyhow, that that's that's a, another topic. This is about you, not about that, right? <laughs> but it's important. I, I, I want to say that to you only because I know where you are in your career right now. You've become a master at this thing and now you could take that same skill and amplify your wealth by just carving out one day a week and just think, you know, think about it. This I appreciate project, that. That's awesome advice. This project that you're building, is this a personal residence? What is this? Yes, it is. Yep. Awesome. Okay. Tell me yeah. about it. Tell us about it. Oh my gosh. So, um, 
we're in the market to buy something and a project that I sold to investor clients of mine last summer, I always really liked the house. Supposed to be done this past January. Um, We're in a lease until September. The timing didn't work. Well, everything got delayed. The permitting got delayed. Supply chain got delayed. And it turned out that the project wasn't going to be ready till June. So I started talking to them like, hey, you know, maybe we could actually, we could buy this property from you. And while you're still constructing and customized, it ended up going terribly wrong, um, (laughs) which was a very good learning experience for both me and also for the client because I'm still working with them, but it it allowed us to, uh, I think, clarify and set some boundaries that weren't in place before. Mm -hmm. But so that started the gears turning that I want to custom construct something, right? And I had a conversation with my dad and I'm like, you know, we're not seeing anything at all. And he's like, well, just go buy something. And, you know, and, and you can pay for the renovation. I'm like, well, hold on a second. I'm like, I, you know, I don't have $800,000, you know, just sitting in a bank account somewhere. I wish I did. And he said, look, he's like, you go find a property. You know, I will loan you the money to buy the property in cash. You pay for the renovation, refinance it when it's done and you pay me back. And, you know, and, and, the one thing that I, I mean, I'm so grateful for and I feel so blessed for is my dad being a broker and being the one who trained me when I found the property, did not ask questions. He's like, okay, you found it. Here you go. Like, it wasn't like, okay, well, are you sure? And this, that, and show me pictures and blah, 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 blah. He was like, awesome. Is it a good neighborhood? Do you like it? You know, go do it. So we did. And, um, and it's been cool because I've never been a construction guy. Like I didn't know the process. I didn't know that framing came before this, being before that, you know. Um, and so that's also as exciting as it's been. It's also been very educational for me because I always kind of stayed out of that part of mm-hmm. working with investors who flipped, you know, like the construction, because most of them are contractors. So you know, they knew their thing there. I wouldn't really get involved. And, and it's, it's cool because it's a very customized project. Um, and I'm just excited to see how it turns out. That's awesome. Yeah. So you're essentially implementing the birth strategy on your own personal residence and, and your, and your dad is going to help finance that, you know, essentially I bought a bunch of properties in 08. It wasn't my dad, but he was a good friend of mine that had a lot of cash and he, yep. you know, and nobody was giving, you know, a recently self-employed guy any money in 2008. <laughs> and yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. hey, I found this deal. And he was like, well, it, you know, he's like, if you find the deal like that, another deal like that, I'll give you the money. You folk, you work on the renovation. You manage the property. We'll then get my money back out. We refinance my money back out. And we just, we just kept doing that, right? We didn't know that, you know, today, uh, you know, Bigger pockets. Uh, I forget the name of the gentleman that 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 uh, coined it, but you know, it's coined the Burr strategy. Um, you know, that wasn't around then. We just knew, hey, we got to get we got to get your money back out, and this is the best way to do it, right? Well, and my dad has always said to me, and it makes sense now, and I hear you saying it too. He said, you know, Matt, like, don't ever ever worry about the financial part. If you find a good opportunity that makes sense, like that money will find you. Yeah. You know, and um, 
I mean, it just so happened that, you know, he was gracious enough to, you know, jump in, but, um, but it, you know, it's also been motivating for me because I'm paying for the renovation. So, you know, it's, it's kept me on my toes and, and kept me cranking, um, and finding new investments for people so that I can keep my real estate business going. Yeah. You got to keep that machine. You got to keep the machine going. Well, Matt, I appreciate you sharing time with me today, man. I think it's awesome. Um, what I, what I've heard is the journey of somebody that's like become a master at one thing and they're serving a client that could provide multiple transactions for them. So there's leverage in that, right? Yep. So you, 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 you mastered, you know, this talk to people thing that, you know, Brent Daniels talks about and, and then you're working with clients that can give you multiple transactions, which is real leverage in itself. Right. And so, man, I'm just going to encourage you to keep doing that. And, uh, and I, I think in 10 years, we'll do this again. And what, what I will hopefully hear is, yeah, I started buying apartment buildings using the same strategy yeah. and I developed partners, right? Uh, because all the same skill sets are there. All this, all the same stuff is there. And, uh, and yeah, I had a coach, I had a coach that said to me, and I, I think it's, it's true. And it makes me excited hearing you say about 10 years that, uh, you know, most people dramatically overestimate what they can do in one year, but dramatically underestimate what they can do in five or 10 years. So I appreciate, yeah. you know, you getting those gears turning because I do need to start thinking much further into the future. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting because um, Gary Keller had said that to us, right? And I'm not sure who he is, but that's where I, that's where I heard that from initially. And he said, you can be anywhere you want to be in five years. And that, that, you know, that gives you permission to start thinking really, really big. Really, gotta, really big. Really big. You could be anywhere you want to be in five years. So with that, brother, you take care. And you uh, too. thanks so much for sharing time with me today. Hey, thanks for having me, Rob. Have take a good care. one. Bye-bye. All righty.